from HerbMentor.com, this is HerbMentor Radio. You are listening to HerbMentor Radio on HerbMentor.com. I'm John Gallagher. My guest today is Rich Ocek. Richo is a village herbalist and conservationist. He and his wife, Mate, are owners of Horizon Herbs, an organic medicinal herb seed company based in Williams, Oregon. Their mission is to sow seeds worldwide for the benefit of people and plants and the planet. Richo is also the author of the book, Making Plant Medicine. Their Horizon Herbs catalog is well known not only for its variety of hard-to-find extracts and seeds, but also as a treasure trove of information, and you can get one for free and discover many, many amazing things at horizonherbs.com. So good afternoon, Richo. How are you doing today? Hi, John. I'm doing just fine. Well, you know, it's early spring now, and I know it's probably the height of your busy season, right? Uh, people ordering seeds um, um, constantly. Um, so I appreciate you taking the time and talking with us today. You're welcome. Yes, we're... We're shipping out a lot of seeds these days and a lot of uh, plants from our organically certified uh, greenhouses, and then we're also uh, having a little spring fever and find, trying to find time to plant a lot of seeds ourselves outside. So it always is a busy season, but it's great to feel the to get up in the morning and go out on the lawn and feel that it's warm and it has not frosted. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, you're uh, you're a luck you're a little little further south than us and here it's um, you know, not quite, you know, but yeah, it's it's happening. Um, you know, there are there are um many people on herbmentor.com uh, who have had some gardening questions. So, being the time of year it was, I thought I needed to get someone who knew something about gardening on. <laughs> and why I like questions. Questions are why, easy. Why not go right, right to the uh, person who who is uh, you know well known for for your knowledge and in, in seeds and planting and gardening? Um, so you know before I get into some people's questions though, I just um, actually have a, it's pretty much a question my, for myself, and, and it's probably a good place to start because um, you know it's a good foundational place uh, to begin. And I uh, just want to give you a little background um, on myself actually because. Um, because probably a lot of listeners would be relieved to hear that you know Kimberly and Art aren't, aren't really the best herb gardeners. You know we've we've done we haven't done all that much, um, but most of our training and, uh, and and work with herbs has been in wildcrafting and 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 making things with plants that we just harvest here and there. And you know part of that's been that uh, in our 11 years together we've been moving we've moved around a lot. We've only settled in a house like in the last few years. We had, we had to move around due to our economic situation and whatnot. And so um, you know we. We're always like, well, we can always go out and, and, and pick pick other plants, right? Of course, a, a garden. And so um, we had a few key species that we'd move around with us from place to place that we throw in a little garden plot, like ones that we relied on, like elecampane for cough syrup and you know a bone set for flus and a few of those uh, motherwort, uh, uh, a few others. Um, but see, here I am in this place. I've got this uh, postage stamp yard. It's a, just a regular old suburban yard here. And uh, now that the sewers are finally going to be uh, installed in our town, I can actually think about a garden now because before I didn't know what was going to be dug up. So with that in mind, you know, I've got this big blank place here, and um, I'm just wondering, like, so if myself, if it's myself or someone who is like, you know, I'd like to really, um, you know, start a little herb garden if I go in phases or something, like, um, you know, how do I get started? What should I plant? Right. 
Well, that kind of breaks down to somebody just asked me about the my five most essential uh, medicinal herb plants, and mm-hmm. and I, I think my answer to that was St. John's wort and calendula, and then uh, the true the true comfrey and the elecampane that you already mentioned, mm-hmm. and uh, the the last one I can't really remember what I said, but it could be anything of of a few thousand species. Um, but yeah, if you if you stick with the uh, uh, major antiseptic herbs, I think those are the ones that really get used the most in in home medicine because you have the emergency. Somebody gets a spider bite, or somebody gets a, you know you remove a tick, or um, the kids have a scrape, or um, somebody's developing a mouth sore, or something of that nature, and you want to have something to put on it. Uh, then the the uh, you know classic uh, antiseptic tincture is really um, something that that uh, you always want to have around, and yeah. you can make that with equal parts of St. John's Wort and calendula flowers, and then yarrow also. Or uh-huh. if you want to make it more on the trauma tincture side, then you can always put arnica in it. And so that might be my number five would be arnica or golden seal, maybe something like that. But, uh, yeah, uh, all of these are, uh, you know, relatively small, uh, uh, annual or perennial medicinal herbs that do well in, uh, full sun situations, uh, small yards, um, bedding plants, if you will. Um, yeah, so, so those would all be good choices. And then if you do have a small yard, then also consider uh, definitely using uh, the other axis, axis, not the horizontal axis, but the vertical axis, and, and plant passion flower up your fences and, and uh, put in some permaculture bushes and trees around the edge to, to uh, create a more uh, open feeling for all of the interconnected web of life, the beneficial insects and and the crow that eats the grasshopper and and uh, uh, providing some grateful shade for for your plants as well as uh, uh, some a windbreak and maybe also uh, you know uh, keeps you from having to be too uh, connected with the life and livelihood and and barbecue odors of your neighbor. <laughs> exactly, or the uh, or the exhaust fumes from the lawnmowers, right? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Try to bring in that. You know, mix it up. Mix up the mix up the plantings. Uh, create a, a diverse offering because that's the way that healthy ecosystems are. And and you can bring in a, a modicum of that of that health even in a small small uh, uh, area by planting a lot of diverse species and then uh um you know you never really have a problem with uh pathogenic diseases or or with pests or anything like that if you if you mix up the plantings okay you know and and that could, that you know goes actually into a question that somebody uh had emailed in just a basic so some basic advice for um you know there's there's advice for what do I do if I have pests but Really, the question should be, how can I just not have to deal with them? Right. I mean, well, you try to there. If I have diversity, if I have a lot of diversity in my garden, then 
there's less of a chance. And what about the soil? Is there is there is there things I should keep in mind that I need to do to my soil to keep it healthy? Or you know, yeah, you definitely grow your gardens from the from the soil up, and right. the and the more preparation that you do on the soil uh, vis-a-vis cover cropping and tilling in or uh, home compost making and applying compost and working that in, then the more uh, healthy is the whole micro system. And so, it, a lot of a lot of folks will want to do a whole lot in you know buying plants and sell and and planting plants the first year, but really that it would behoove them to work on their soil the first year and have their garden the next year. Because the healthier the soil is, then the healthier the plants are going to be. Well, that's good that you say that because that was kind of my plan this next year is just to kind of make start making beds. Yeah, and a lot of people will, you know, sheet compost and and put down, uh, uh, you know, straw and then manure and then straw again and then manure. Uh, and they do that on top of cardboard or something. You can put it on top of cardboard, or actually, if you do deep enough, uh, deep enough layering, you can do it on, put it on top of grass, and the grass won't grow through it. And then you can let it compost down uh, for for one season, and then uh, uh, plant your plants in the in the rich soil the next season. And just if the grasses start to grow into it, then you can pull those back, you know, from the edges. Mm. Yeah, uh, natural natural weed barriers are are very nice, but they're never a substitute for uh, elbow grease and 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 wiping the uh, sweaty forehead with the back of the forearm. <laughs> so you're saying, no matter what what it comes down, to, we got to work at it. <laughs> yeah, you you need to you know that that's part of the connection is is uh, your relationship with the plants, and uh, um, I always. I always use it as a kind of a of a dharma when I'm out there working with the plants. I I think about I think positive thoughts. I watch my mind stream. I try to to dispel discursive thoughts like about you know a Cheryl Crow s- song or what you know stupid thing Hillary said, uh, <laughs> and and I I just try to. Uh, um, more uh connect with the energy of the plants feel the feel the environment both the physical and the etheric and the eartheric environment and uh even even make up little mantras in my mind to to keep my mind focused on what I'm doing think about the medicine where it's going to be going how people will use it empower the the medicine that way with positive thoughts and and then I find that that also empowers me I feel I feel stronger after I do this work and it really is if you someone is really wants to work with herbs and get into herbs if you if you it's it seems like you either have to be out there doing some wild crafting or gardening to really learn the plants and understand them versus folks who might not you know say oh you know I'll just work with dried plants and make tinctures and salves and things and and so it really is uh, uh, vital to to that connection is absolutely it? Yeah. Um, you know, something I I want to mention here that I saw on your website is you have this uh, Lifeline Medicinal Herb Garden, which is actually it seemed like that was something you put together um, out of probably a lot of questions that you know people saying like just what I was asking you, where should we kind of start, kind of thing, and and it seems like you have all the essentials right there. Well, 
we we try and and it was really it came out of a um an impulse uh that Mach and I had one day when we were walking in our own garden and we were looking at all the useful herbs that uh we have you know growing organically on the land and thinking about all the uh folks and organizations and and worthwhile uh, uh, garden clubs and, and uh, uh, academic requests, et cetera, et cetera, that we always get uh, saying, we're a nonprofit organization and we would like you to give us lots and lots of seeds, et cetera, because we're doing a worthwhile thing. And it, it, that all became overwhelming after a while, reaching the level of sometimes three to five requests daily. Wow. So we said, well, let's create a, a lifeline garden that has um, 18 different uh, varieties of, you know, organically grown medicinal herb seeds from our own land, and and let's move those out to people at cost. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that is that is available and uh, and a, definitely a recommended place to start. Then when we get these requests for free seeds, we say, well. We're a nonprofit, also, and actually, if we give money or or plants or seeds away to an organization, for some reason, it isn't a tax break for us. And so, right. here, take these things. We're offering them at at our cost, and and uh, and start moving up from there. Then we also chose those on the basis of not only their uh, value uh, in terms of of their medicine. You know, yarrow is in there, and calendula is in there. Um, echinacea is in there, et cetera, et cetera, but also in terms of their uh, uh, appropriateness to grow in most temperate gardens. So um, the people who are all worried about, well, is that good for my zone 5A or whatever like that, it's just really not an issue. These are all uh, straightforward medicinal herbs that mostly came from northern Europe in the first place and uh, and now are quite good for growing throughout the United States. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that, that's a great. And I love on on your site and your business and everything. Just uh, and and it's really an inspiration. And 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 for for a lot of people, tell us, oh, I like with your your family's involved in everything and all that sort. Um, you know, and, and 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 that that spirit's in there. And I really get that when 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 ordering or working with with horizon herbs too it's like wow you know I'm working with a family here and i look you know that the kids herbs kit with your daughter that created when she was younger and you know and and, and we used to carry that actually when we were shipping other folks products here and learning herbs and right and people loved it you know it was it's great well senna has grown up now and she has a yeah. daughter of her own naya who's one and and naya is um very interested in farming senna has been a um, you know, international uh, 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 runway model for years and lived in Paris, et cetera. And she came back with her French husband to live with us, sort of a Green Acres kind of scenario. <laughs> and, and the and the one-year-old baby, and if you ask the baby, um, Naya, do you want to be a model when you grow up? She says, no. And then if you say, Naya, do you want to be a farmer when you grow up? She says, yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> You're like, yes, yes. It's, it skips a generation. It skips generations that way, and and yeah, she's really, she, she was a little perplexed at first why we were so interested in making these little holes in the dirt and dropping these funny shaped and variously sized items into the holes, but now she's kind of getting a, a feeling for the for the cycles, and she's very excited about the whole thing. Oh. 
Uh, yes, it is a family endeavor. Senna and I are, are, are now cooperating on a new book uh, called uh, uh, Growing Plant Medicine, and it will have the uh, cultivation instructions for about 600 different medicinal herbs, and then it has my um, whole concept of uh, natural gardening techniques and, and how to just grow closer to nature. Oh, I can't wait for that because I love your Making Plant Medicine book. I mean, so if it's any, uh, you know, that's a, a, a vital reference tool. Okay, good. <laughs> for, Thanks. I appreciate it. the medicine that. maker. You know, it's, yes. it's it's to the point and it's thorough and, and um, I love it. It's a great reference. Um, and so I can't wait for that one. Um, so you, you, you do, um, like, ship plants, like, starts, too? Because I saw on your site, like, you have the link for plants on there. Uh-huh. Okay, you know, so starting medicinal herbs from seed is it can be quite challenging if you don't know what you're doing. Great, that's my question. Long germination times, sometimes long stratification times. A lot of them are fall sown and germinate in the spring. People just don't really have the facilities. Some people don't even have the greenhouse facilities to accomplish standard uh, greenhouse uh, cultivation techniques. And so we uh, found that a lot of people really appreciate getting the plants, and we don't want to to torture our plants. And, of course, we don't use any fertilizers, so we plant our plants in uh, deep pots, and uh, we really enjoy raising them up. And then around about this time of year, people go on the website, and, and there are about 300 species, I think, available right now. And so they're getting their Echinacea uh, tennessiensis or their uh, Gynostemma, the, the uh, Jaugulan, which is a uh, vine in the cucurbit family that has five times more of the ginsenicide saponins than American ginseng root. And so it's, a, it's an adaptogenic cucumber, basically. Um, so they're, you know, anything like that uh, and and everything in between, including a lot of uh, permaculture trees and bushes that uh, uh, we encourage people to plant for wildlife and to uh, uh, bring in this, this kind of healthy diversity that we feel uh, protects our gardens from uh, any kind of pathogenic influences. Excellent. Yeah. And, and then so then... Um you know that your catalog is a resource in itself, and then so this book you're writing. When do you think that might come out? It should come out in about six months. Um, one time we wrote a book and we advertised it before we were finished with it, yeah. and we're not really. Uh, we learned our lesson. That's really a wrong thing to do because it takes a long time to um, fix all my spelling errors, <laughs> and so. And so uh, I can write on and on and on, and then somebody has to read it and make it all uh, be uh, academic. And and then uh, it will will uh, blow the foxglove bugles with appropriate fanfare when the built book is actually available. Right. And we're going to uh, uh, try to make it be viable, even though it's going to in excess of 600 pages so right, right. yeah we're working on it and Senna is doing all the illustrations and it's really great we try to keep things genuine and true around here and she's just she can be found at any corner of the land making uh, sketches from growing plants and and uh, I've, I've I'm 
hoping to focus her on making illustrations of the germinating seedlings so that people can know what it is that's coming up when it comes up and also uh, the useful parts. So she'll be, uh, in other words, if it's Oregon grape, since it's mainly the root or the stolen that's used, then she'll be making illustrations of that instead of a picture of the flowers. Great. Yeah. Um, and I should also mention that on Horizon Herbs, in the meanwhile, I picked up a, um, a compiled set of publications, a cultivation uh, bunch of articles and things that you put together, which was, right. uh, was really handy. So if you want some folks need some ideas um, about growing and, and um, just some real, you know, stuff to really help you get going and overall philosophy and all, it's a good, it's a good publication. Well, that's old writing. Some of that is 15 years yeah. old. And luckily, I was writing it before I really knew what I was talking about because now that I think I know what I'm talking about, it just takes a lot more words to express anything. All right, right. And right. anyway, yes, that's available. And the book, Growing at Risk Medicinal Herbs, has been very popular, and that uh, covers 20 of our most you know, potent uh, Native American medicines. And it also promotes United Plant Savers, which is a really worthwhile organization. Yes, so our company is uh, donors of uh, proceeds of our game go to United Plant Savers. Thank you. And, and uh, that's a big part of um, what we promote as well. Um, speaking of what you were just talking about, um, someone actually had a question about a little information on starting endangered woodland plants from seeds such as ginseng, golden seal, or kohosh. Uh-huh. Well... There's a chapter on each one of those in Growing at Risk, but to keep it short, um, most of those woodland medicinals that make their seeds in berries like golden seal or ginseng Mm -hmm. will not withstand dry storage of the seed. So you need to uh, harvest the berry in its full ripeness and then smash it and and do a water separation in a in a bucket the the uh bad seed and the uh flesh of the berry will float away you decant it and the good seed is in the bottom of the bucket and then you plant the seed right away in your moist uh uh rich soil of the shade garden or the woodlands and germination is then uh um in the spring of the second or third year um and so so it is a long you know nature doesn't care about about humans and our concept of time it's it's nature i always say the earth breathes long it, to to a woodland plant a few years really um is somewhat meaningless uh, a lot of them will require uh uh repeated cycles of uh, cooling and and warming before they even germinate, and your black cohosh is a good example. Really, uh, that that plant and a lot of plants in the crowfoot family, the ranunculaceae, are um, uh, a warm, cold, warm germinator. So you plant the seed in the uh, like in the autumn after it's ripe. You plant it directly out of the pod into the soil. 
it spends a few warm months before the winter kicks in. Then the winter kicks in, it goes through the cold cycle, and then it germinates in the spring when the ground warms up again. And without that warm, cold, warm cycle, you can't grow the plant. You can't just take the seed, the dry stored seed, and plant it in the greenhouse and expect it to come up in a few days like beans and peas would. So you really need to meet those those uh, natural requirements, the oscillating temperatures of the uh, uh, seasons as they pass, the oscillating temperatures of night and day, the leaching effects of rain. All these are very significant uh, elements for awakening the germination of these of these uh, difficult and long germinating seeds. Okay. Mimic nature. Yeah. Mimic nature. That's that that in itself is. Um Golden words right there, right? Mimic nature. I like that. Yeah. That's kind of what you're doing when you stratify seed, too, right, is you're, you're putting it through a fake winter in a way. Yes, cold stratification can be yeah. can be helpful at times. Yeah. Yes. So, actually, that um, that was part of this other question. Uh, um, uh, Liz, uh, Kelly wrote in um, that she planted some chase berry seeds in a flower pot about three weeks ago. Um, she bought the seeds from you, and uh, she had them sitting on her windowsill um, the whole time so they would get a lot of east-facing sun in the morning. She waters them every day. They haven't peaked through the dirt yet. How long does it take to germinate? Also, once it germinates, how soon can I transplant outside? Do I have to harden it off first, she asks. And, okay. Uh, she lives in South Mizo- uh, MS, Missouri, right? Right. Um, or is that Mississippi? <laughs> oh, no, Mississippi, MS. MS is Mississippi where it's really hot, right? Right. So... MS is, I think it's Mississippi, or is that MI? MI is Michigan. Oh, MO is Missouri. Mississippi is MS. Yeah, all right. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I'm MR. Uh, anyways, anyways, um, yeah, that that windowsill propagation of seeds is uh, very problematical, in my opinion, because it's a little bit too yin for uh, seed germination on in the, on the most part. Like you can grow chamomile that way really well, but chamomile likes to grow during the you know cooler times of year. Cool and moist is great for that. But something like chase tree, that's a desert species, really um, needs something closer to greenhouse temperatures. Or sometimes people work with these uh, full spectrum propagation lights, and they train the lights on the top of the of the flat. So uh, the general technique would be to uh, prepare a flat of good uh, fast-draining potting soil, sprinkle the uh, chased seeds on the surface, put about a quarter inch more of uh, potting soil on top of the seeds, press down thoroughly, keep evenly moist, and then keep uh, in very warm temperatures. And germination should be between two and six weeks, then uh, transplant is after the seedlings make their second set of true leaves, which is a, a pretty good rule to follow for just about any um, herbaceous plants or trees. After the second set of true leaves appears, then you can uh, uh, prick the plants out of the propagation flat and put in individual pots. Then you can uh, uh, grow them out that way. Uh, until they reach sufficient size to transplant to the landscape. For a chase tree, really, I would hold the gallon pot for a year and let the chase tree get to be like eight inches tall 
before I even subjected it to the rigors of the outside. So if you have a very long-lived uh, tree that you're growing from seed, then you need to give it a year or two in uh, successively larger pots before you can really uh, expect to plant it successfully outside. Mm, okay. That's yeah. Good. Too much yin. Uh, too much, right, exactly. Too Which, much uh, cool and moist is not really good for a desert species. So right, that, right. Yeah, I don't know. It might. They might come up fine or they might not. I, I actually need to renew my... Uh, seed source for chase trees. They're, the germination is starting to, to decline on those. So if she has problems, she can get in touch with me and we'll send her a, a free replacement packet and she can try again in greenhouse culture. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, and in relation to that, a person has a general question that she's uh, if she manages to kill off her sprouts before their true leaves and I think is due to damping off. I've gotten fresh, sterile soil, but I'm still struggling some info on this would be helpful. Right. She's so tired of killing her herbal seedlings. I understand. Well, again, yin conditions, cool, moist, uh, is not really uh, generally useful, although a certain certain plants will like that. And for instance, your marshmallow or your valerian or something of that nature that's already a plant that grows in very moist conditions. But for the most part, uh, uh be careful of, of damping off. Um, sterile soils are recommended by most nursery people, and I, I go completely the opposite direction. I put, pot, I put uh, compost in my potting soil so that there's already a, a healthy mix of fungal and, and bacterial uh, microorganisms in the potting soil. And I find that this uh, provides more balance, again, so that you don't have... Uh, a, a, a flash growth of some kind of a pathogen like uh, uh, the damping off disease in the sterile medium. Uh, then, uh, if it, you know, if you have a cool, moist day, don't water. And if you have a nice, warm day and the surface of the soil is drying out, go ahead and water your seedlings. Right. So, so try to try to be smart about. Um, not creating the overly cool and moist conditions that will uh, support the growth of damping off disease. Okay. Also, thin your seedlings uh, early, not late, because if, there's, if there are overcrowded conditions, then they won't be particularly healthy. And pull out the ones that seem small, poorly developed, or or uh, uh, wrong in any in any way, like misshapen leaves, uh, uh, this kind of thing. Remove those. Uh, it's it's called uh, um, selecting for vigor. Always select for vigor. The most vigorous plants are the ones that that you should keep, and then realize that. Say, for instance, you're trying to grow marshmallow for making uh, medicine for uh, treating treating uh, uh, upper respiratory infections or for a, a, as a mild immune-enhancing uh, uh, herb that you can put into teas, etc. If a person plants a uh, 100 marshmallow seeds, they're likely to get 80 or 90 seedlings. And if you were to choose each one of those and pot them up and grow them up and put them out in the garden, taking care of 80 or 90 marshmallow plants would actually be a lot of work. And it would also be about uh, 
16 or 20 times too much material to really make use of. And so I would say better to choose the six best seedlings and work with them carefully. I always say a few well-grown herbs produce more good medicine than many poorly grown herbs. Mm. And if you bite off more than you can chew, then you're just going to choke. So just just choose a few, grow them well, and uh, uh, take care of them well, just the way that you would like somebody to take care of your body if they were in charge of it. And and that's going to make the, the powerful medicine. You don't really need so much. And learning, um, exactly, and, and, and also... Uh, learning a bit about the herbs uh, before growing and maybe what kind of, where they were from originally and what they like. I had this job, I worked at this uh, nursery and I was just brand new at all this, right? And I, and, and so I'd go around and water the plants, you know, and, and, uh, and so I uh, would go in and I just kind of kept, wa- and I'm up here in the north, wet northwest, right? And I, before it was time, I just kind of kept watering that basil. <laughs> <laughs> I basically probably ruined thousands of dollars worth of basil inventory that my supervisor had to cover for me. <laughs> Gardening is about the pauses. Gardening is about the pauses. You go out, you do something, you apply compost. Then you go away and you do something else for a few days and you come back after a few days and you notice, oh, the plant is growing well. Oh, it looks a little dry. Okay, now I'm going to water it. So you water the plant. Then you go away, and you do something else for a couple of days, and then you come back around again. If you instead go and and water the plant, put on compost, water it some more, put some more compost, water it some more, you'll kill it from, from too much love. Mm-hmm. And so I always, I always uh, 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 think about gardening in being as much about the not doing as it is about the doing. That's amazing advice. I like that. Um, so then there's this person who uh been landscaping around her house and has been uh, subjected to non-organic weed control. So there's a good amount of herbs that I could use. However, I'm concerned with the safety due to these products. So if I keep um, things organic from this point, will the plants be okay to use, or do the chemicals render them unsafe for the life of the plant? Well, I'm not a very good person to ask about how dangerous chemicals are, because I I avoid them like the plague myself. Right. But... uh, there are some there are some plants that you can grow that purify the soil, mm-hmm. and if it was me, I, I think that again I would uh, take the first growing season to just improve the soil, and I would grow some uh, cover crops in there like uh, maybe peas and oats, or maybe a red clover or a quick cover of um, crimson clover or buckwheat, and then. Uh, sure, the the plants are going to be somewhat tainted from, uh, you know, uh, poop in, poop out. If you put poop into the system, you're going to get poop out of the system. If you put bad quality herbs into the manufacturing, then you're going to get bad quality. T- put bad quality herbs into the manufacturing, then you're going to get bad quality tinctures out in the end. There's no end. Apply the appropriate remedies, and so. Yes, 
uh, grow a cover crop and don't eat the cover crop. Just till it back into the earth, and the earth will heal itself automatically over time. And the, our earth will heal itself automatically after humans are gone. It will be a really, really great place when when it when it uh, uh, washes the the humans off of its surface. I have I have no. I have no worries about it. Eventually, uh, um, I have no, I have no worries about it. Eventually, uh, um, nature will will uh, will prevail, and so, and so, yeah. Be patient and and grow those cover crops and and work the cover crops back in, and use organic compost. And eventually, you know, the wounds will be forgotten. And next year, then you can grow your your medicinal herbs and feel really confident that they're growing from healthy soil. And so, um, uh, they won't be they won't be toxic. Calendula is a good is a good herb to grow the first year. It will uh, uh, biologically uh, uh, refurbish the soil. It will be antiseptic to the to the to the soil if there are uh, weird pathogens growing because you know as soon as you start to dampen the growth of one thing then you have an unnatural growth of another thing so as soon as you apply herbicides then you have something else coming in the imbalance is is rife that then the system is sick and so you can grow calendula or you can grow uh, yerba del manso the the uh, uh, Anamopsis californica is famous for uh, cleaning up uh, uh, wrong um, wrong dirt. So you'll find it growing, for instance, in uh, sumps in Central California, where there are a lot of you know nitrogens and and chemical um, leachates going into the going into the uh, water. The yerba del manso will grow in there, and it cleans up the system without actually setting the toxins in its own tissue. This is done by means of uh, oxygenation. Uh, it oxygenates the, the system and allows, you know, your natural breakdown to occur, oxidation. And it also uh, is just a, a special talent of the plant. I, I, I can't really explain why a lot of these plants do what they do. Um, and then and then, like I, I mentioned before, the cover crops, any kind of cover crops would be really a, a good choice. Also, calamus root, if it's a very, uh, if there's wet, if there's a wet system there, plant calamus, Echorus calamus, and that plant uh, filters the water and clarifies the water. If you, if you take a little piece of calamus root and you chew it in your mouth, of course, FDA doesn't want you to do that anymore, but if, but take it from me, you can do it, it won't hurt you take a little piece of calamus root, chew it in your mouth, and then take a drink of water. The water tastes like water from an Elysian well. It tastes better than any water that you had before. And so this is your own body is proving the same thing that calamus does in a water system, in, in cleaning water and removing uh, 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 negative, you know, biological uh, overgrowth of, of pathogenic bacteria from, from the water. So all those all those plants can be can be useful and and again you know just just have patience and make sure that that um, you're growing your your herbs in good soil and then you can sure use use them uh, and, and they'll promote your health. Just just don't till the comfrey. <laughs> don't till the comfrey, right? Well, when you said that, by the way, just to go back real quick, um, when you said uh, true comfrey, did you mean growing true comfrey? You mean the purple flower one or the what? Well. 
it's just one of those things. The 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 uh, all the herb companies in the U.S. have been making comfrey extracts and comfrey products from what they called Symphytum officinalis for the last uh, 50 years. Really? And actually, they're all made from uh, Symphytum uh, uh, X uplandicum, which is yeah. a hybridized Bocking 14 uh, cultivar of comfrey. It's not it's not Symphytum officinalis at all. So so all those products are mislabeled. Mm-hmm. And um, and I I struggled with this issue for a long time because my core herbal teacher uh, taught me wrong, and I I had problems with the comfrey because I didn't understand how Symphytum officinalis was not making seed. Mm-hmm. Then eventually, uh, after a lot of inquiry and and in getting uh, samples of comfrey seed from all around the world. I eventually determined that our Symphytum officinalis is not making seed because it's not Symphytum officinalis. It's a hybrid uh, sterile comfrey and started growing true comfrey, Symphytum officinalis, from seed that I got from uh, Germany. And we're just in love with this new plant. It is, is so it white much... Flower? It has, yeah, it has a lot of purple coloration in the leaves. The leaves are less hairy, and they're longer and thinner. It's also a very vigorous grower, like like uh, the the hybrid comfrey. But the flowers are uh, vastly more beautiful and varied, and pull in lots and lots of pollinators because pollinators are not fooled the way that humans are. They don't read the label; they're just after the nectar. Right. And and uh, and then the plant makes seeds, and you can collect the seeds and regrow the plant from seeds. So we're really promoting the Bocking 14 for permaculture use because it's a bigger, more uh, robust plant, and and uh, it it is good medicine, and it does everything that that comfrey is supposed to be is supposed to do in. Um, in your agricultural system, in other words, it's an accumulator. It it brings up um, micronutrients from deep in the soil. It's uh, uh, excellent to grow among grasses because it's not really bothered by that. And it, the leaves are 20% protein, so they're uh, great for producing highly nitrogenous composts if you use them in composting. What if you have a small yard and you and you and you want to grow comfrey, but you don't want it to keep spreading from Yo, seeding all, uh, like in your garden and growing all around. I mean, right? Then I think you would use problem? the Bocking 14 uh, sterile cultivar and not chop up the roots and spread them around. And then you would have a comfrey that's just sitting in one place, or you could dro- grow the uh, true comfrey in a in a half a wine barrel, perhaps. Uh-huh. That would be good. I don't know. Actually, John, everybody talks to me about invasive plants and and worries about this getting loose and right. that taking over, et cetera, et cetera. And I tell people, you know what? I'm sorry, I'm tired of it. People are invasive entities. Plants are not. Plants are just taking advantage of the environment and doing their best to bring the balance in. And so, and so, you know, for me, having lots of true comfrey in my yard in, in, the, in the city would be a, a giant blessing. It would be so only that, positive. Now, using the, that particular comfrey, um, between the two comfreys and using it internally, which would you choose? Well, I would definitely choose the true comfrey. For one thing, it's lower in the, in the uh, uh, pyrolysed and alkaloids. Uh-huh. And for another thing, it's the, 
comfrey that Galen was talking about when Galen talked about comfrey. I, I wouldn't use something that was that was hybridized and and uh, uh, manufactured and 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 genetically modified basically through through human influence. I would use the original uh, what we call the original land race, which is the the uh, original type that the Earth made that doesn't have anything to do with humans. And this is this is true across the board. Everything that I try to offer as much as possible, I go for the original land races. And and your horticulturalists will look at my catalog and go, "Well, where are all the variety names?" Right. Right. And I'm like, "Well, we don't have variety names because we're trying to provide the the core medicine." Gosh, you know, it's amazing. I, I just it's the more I investigate the whole comfrey internal issue, the more confusing it gets because every person has like a different story about where the studies were from and where they came from and which one's safer and 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 and, and, and these are all from like, you know, people who've like yourself, who have been doing this a long time, and done a lot of well, there's and a I'm book, there's a CRC press book called Pirellas and Alkaloids that really has has a, uh, it accrues all the evidence and and puts some very level-headed information out there for for one thing, and for another thing, check my book Making Plant Medicine and look under the Comfrey uh, heading for for a very level-headed assessment of. Uh, internal and external use of comfrey and the and the uh, problems perils and and uh, and goodness that's available from the plant it it really it really shouldn't be that difficult for uh, people to figure out you you really don't want to use it internally when you're pregnant it can cause venoocclusive disease otherwise you can uh, it you know you're not going to use that much of it anyway even if you that's right using it. Even if you exactly. do infusions, like I use comfrey infusions, and mm-hmm. nourishing infusions, and I don't do them all the time. I just every once in a while I'll do it. You know exactly. Well, the thing about it is that it's not a tonic herb. It's right. an herb that is that is healing to trauma. So think about trauma. Well, trauma occurs in it, there's an episode, and then there's the healing of that episode. And so you can use it like it's going out of style for a couple of weeks while you're healing that episode, but don't use it like a a tonic herb it's not and so and so if you're using it uh according to need then there's no worry about any possible ill effects from some alkaloids that are riding along on the uh back of the healing mucilage <laughs> you know right, right. so but so then, yeah just use it properly uh... and then you won't have any worries but then there's folks who say it's a nourishing herb like you would could use like nettles in infusions regularly. Well, you shouldn't do that because okay. that's really not what it's what it look at look at the traditional use of comfrey and it's it's used for knitting broken bones, it's used for for, you know, uh uh externally for uh healing cuts. It it uh promotes very fast cell proliferation. So Something that mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. proliferates cells is is not really a tonic herb. That's a healing herb. And even if it's bringing up all of these minerals and vitamins, it's just there's just well, too much. Well, in the in a in an organic agricultural system, it's not it's uh, accumulating uh, minerals in the from you know from deep within the soil. But I don't know about whether it really changes the body ecology in the same manner. I don't really feel that it does. 
Well, thank you for that. That was really helpful uh, to, to get your take on that because I'm, I'm starting to ask more and more people because I <laughs> um, So a um, couple more questions that folks had is one person, uh, was, well, yes, um, going to the yang from the yin, um, which herbs are best for the dry alkaline or clay soil? I believe this is a person who lived in Nevada or somewhere Good. in the southwest. Good. They can grow goji. Which is which is uh, a uh, wonderful you know new uh, concept of of uh, um, uh, tasty and uh, uh, you know very very hip cuisine goji berries uh, they can grow licorice mm-hmm. licorice likes the alkaline soils and the and the dry so that would be the true you know glyceriza glabra. Mm-hmm. Um, they can grow any bioregional uh, medicinals that uh, that they like. They can, uh, you know, gather seeds from the local environment and bring them into the into the garden. And then, you know, they can create uh, create plant habitat. And maybe creating some of this plant habitat will look like erecting some shade cloth, uh, putting in a micro sprinkler system. Uh, uh, Getting some, getting some uh, coir and incorporating coir or peat into their uh, local soils, and there, thereby uh, kind of mellowing out that alkalinity and that hardness. And then they can then they can grow standard medicinals in in that area. So, you know, what you do is you use your uh, bioregionally appropriate plants for your your uh, main focus and then if you like some other plants that don't really necessarily do well in those kinds of conditions then you alter the conditions you create plant habitat and you put the plants there and that's that's the secret of of horizon herbs that's why we've been able to propagate a lot of plants that are otherwise unavailable is because we will alter our uh, plant habitat will create a lot of different plant habitat by using sand applications by uh, building stone walls by uh, um, uh, using the micro niche approach and uh, uh, using outdoor uh, propagation beds for seeds and uh, and those kinds of techniques will really uh, increase the size of your of your herbal palette oh wonderful thank you yeah um, one last question before we uh, wrap it up um, and uh, she she knows a lot of herbs do not like fertilizer. With that in mind, what does Richo recommend when one is growing flowers and herbs together? So the flowers have what they need, but the herbs are not overpowered. Right. Well, that's good. Uh, you know, I I think that if you use small amounts of uh, organic compost, um, that that you can use that in preparing your beds before you plant your plants, and just about all plants really appreciate that kind of that kind of treatment because uh, it it gives a a balance of micronutrients and it's not strong like some kind of you know uh, maxi grow fertilizer would be then after your plants start to grow if you see some signs of nutrient deficiency like yellowing leaves or if things aren't growing or fruiting or flowering the way you'd like them to then you can take additional organic compost and side dress around the plants. After you weed, you just take a few handfuls of rich black compost and throw them around there. Or you could water with the um, comfrey tea 
comfrey sun tea is mm-hmm. inexpensive and uh, it's made from the comfrey leaves stirred in a in a barrel in the sun for a couple of weeks it'll kind of stink like like uh uh cow manure but but it's really good for your plants or you could put a dilute uh, kelp tea on the plants so yeah i i think that if you don't uh choose any of the real strong you know bat guano knot um uh miracle grow knot these kinds of things uh just just don't don't even bother with it just go for the uh mellower organic composts and then and then uh, it's just not an issue mm, okay yeah so um thanks for that um so just uh before we wrap it up here i you know you 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 talk you talk to a lot of folks and you teach and i know you're going to be at the northwest herb fest um this summer um, yes Meet Richo and Horizon Herbs. Uh, you can go to herbaltransitions.com um, to check out and register. I love that conference. Unfortunately, I'm going to be on the East Coast visiting family this year. Is there I any? see. I'm sending a. I'm sending. A, I'm sending a, a person to to represent us though. There. Nice. Um, so, um, any any like a parting word of wisdom uh, for for the person who's gonna, uh, and it might be your overall philosophy, an overall philosophy that you keep in mind when you. Uh, do your work or 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 anything that might help folks well what i'm excited about and this isn't really answering your question and i apologize oh that's fine that. I, I you can answer it anyway <laughs> what, what i'm excited about <laughs> is going to different cultures and finding out what is important in their herbal materia medica and finding plants that they're using that I think would be useful for growers in the temperate north and bringing them back and cultivating them organically and offering the organic seeds and plants to people for uh, diversifying the the uh, herbal materia medica mm-hmm. and and this year I'm going to Zanzibar which is good because uh, those are the spice islands off the coast of East Africa and uh, I'll be doing a, a, some snorkeling and also some some gardening and and collecting. And I have a, a Swahili. Uh, I have familiarity with Swahili because I lived a lot in Africa uh, in years gone by. And so that's going to be real fun for me. And I'll be bringing back some new African basil varieties and some and some new uh, uh, Spilanthes varieties and and what have you from there. And then uh, uh, my general. Um, advice to gardeners is to go out in the garden and put your hands around one of your favorite plants and work the soil around the plants and remove the weeds and sort of empty your mind and find out from the plant what it's really there for and what it needs and then move on from there there will be there will be plenty to do things will occur to you as you as you empty your mind there will be a a kind of a communication with the with the plant that you're working with and with the plant world and i think that that will be very healing for the gardener and if more of us can do that then i think it will be healing for the world the world is is really in a lot of trouble these days and i don't know if growing gardens of medicinal herbs is the main answer for how to 
heal the ills of humanity, but I don't think it's a bad place to start. Hmm. Well, you know, that's wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. I'm just, I get, I get so caught up in your words there that I uh, have no idea what I was going to say next. Now, <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, you know, we could talk all day here, of course, and uh, wouldn't mind doing that. But I think we'll have to have you on again in the future, if you wouldn't mind. Maybe when your uh, when your book is ready, and we can get the word out. Maybe when I'm back from Zanzibar. Oh, you'll have some stories. I will. You'll have some stories. So. Um, once again, everyone, you can get a Horizon a Horizon Herb Seed Catalog right now. Even purchase seeds, extracts, plants, books, including Richo's books. Um, it's a, you'll get lost on the site there. It's very exciting, um, and that's HorizonHerbs.com. So thanks so much again, Richo. For You're welcome, John. Time with us. And, Bye. Uh, thank you all for joining us on Herb Mentor Radio on HerbMentor.com. Goodbye. Herb Mentor Radio on HerbMentor.com is a production of LearningHerbs.com. Visit LearningHerbs.com for free herbal lessons including Herb Mentor news, home remedy secrets, and supermarket herbalism. You'll also find the herbal medicine making kit and our board game Wildcraft. Herb Mentor Radio. Copyright LearningHerbs.com. All rights reserved. Thanks so much for listening.